When it comes to your priorities, what are they like? Are they divine? Are they divine priorities? Let's talk about that today here on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Today's message is called Living for Divine Priorities, and we all have those priorities that sort of order our lives, but what about those divine priorities? Do they order your life above and beyond the regular priorities we seem to make daily? We're in Matthew chapter 6 today. We'll start in verse 33 before we scan the whole chapter, but it's there that we catch up with Pastor Phil Howard as we look at the divine priorities you and I are to have in our daily lives as we live them out for Christ. Here's Pastor Phil, today's program. Listen to what he says in verse 33. But seek last his kingdom. But, oh. but give what's left over to his kingdom. Give nothing to his kingdom. No, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you. Now we'll have to find out what all these things are. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Amen? Look at Proverbs as a cross-reference. Proverbs chapter 3. It seems like Jesus and wisdom hang out together. Listen to this verse. Chapter 3, verse uh, 9. Are you there? The Lord doesn't need to be honored with your wealth. Dishonor the Lord with your wealth. Did they ever dishonor him? You remember Malachi? They offered him the lame, the blind, the diseased. And he said, you're giving to me what you wouldn't give to your governor. You're giving to me that what you wouldn't give to your best friend. You're giving me the leftovers, that which you can't eat by the law. You're giving me that which is rubbish. And he said, I wish you'd turn out the lights at the tabernacle and quit making it obnoxious to me. So here he says, honor the Lord with your wealth, uh, with the first fruits of all your crops. And you say, ooh, I'm off there. I don't have any crops. Well, let's translate it with whatever you got, whatever your wages are giving you, whatever income God gives you. Then your barns, and you're saying once you go, oh, I'm glad I don't have any barns. Do you have a bank account? You got to think a little, translate this. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim with new wine. There's a theme I want to get over to you, and if you just remember the letter P, you might get it. God's promises... God promises his provision, his peace, his power, and his presence to those who seek his priorities. God doesn't want to prosper you to seek just your priorities. 
If you seek God's priorities, he guarantees you his provision. He guarantees you peace. He guarantees to you power. Guarantees to you provision. He said, but I must be your top priority. I must be first in your life. If I'm first, you got it made. Other things will fall into place. Now, let's look at Matthew. Chapter 5, Christ begins to unfold that the kingdom he is offering is greater than the rabbinical kingdom the Jews knew at that time. That it's going to be different. It's not going to be based upon external religious things, but it's going for the heart. You hunger for me in your heart. You admit your poverty of spirit. You're, you're thirsting for God. And he goes through and he tells him, I want you to be salt and light. Uh, my righteousness is greater than that that the rabbis are teaching. They teach you, don't uh, commit adultery. I'm telling you, don't even think about it. See, the law would stone you if you did the act. Jesus is going back. Your Christian life is lived between your ears before you do anything. Uh, the law says, you know, don't kill. I'm saying don't hate. I'm going back to attitude. I'm going back to what you think about. You may not have the nerve to do half the crimes you want to do. But if you want to do them, you're getting credit for doing them in God's sight. What you're lusting after, God sees. What you hate, he sees. And he's going through here, and he said, murder? I don't want you doing that. Adultery? No. Divorce. Under the rabbis, you could divorce a woman for anything. All the power of divorce was in the hand of the man. If she, we have rabbinic literature. If you ever read Erdersheim, The Life of Christ, if she burnt the bread, he had grounds for divorce. I'm glad that has not applied in my marriage. We always have to remember the bread. I mean, over. And according to the law, it was over. You didn't need to go to a divorce court. It was over. The power was with the man. If you withhold your body, divorce. Anything. It, it was brutal. And of course, the women bore the brunt of such uh, rabbinic, male-dominated theology. And Jesus said, hey, hey. You, you can't divorce a person just because you've got incompatible differences. We all have incompatible differences. That's why you get married, to work them out. And by the time you get them down, you'll be going to heaven. And the church that's married said, amen. amen. I just had a salesman, a young girl back in South Carolina. She said, are you married or happy? <laughs> Whoa. I'm not going to tell you where I went. Okay. And, and so, uh, eye for an eye. You should not get vengeance. Don't take oaths. Love your enemies. Then he goes to chapter 6, and he said, If you have children of my kingdom, uh, I don't want you to be a hypocrite. I want you to be good to poor people, but I don't want you to blow a trumpet when you give something to the poor. Uh, don't be in open meetings where I give a thousand he doesn't, want, he doesn't want that to be your motive. Hypocrisy comes from a Greek word to wear a mask, to play a role. Don't play religious activity. 
Don't try to look good. And it's real hard in church just to be who you are. It's real hard in the pulpit because everybody holds you on a pedestal or they can't stand you. And you try to match up to everybody. How about just being what you are, a safe sinner? We know every week people are critiquing preachers. And you know what I get? Carol and I have talked about this. I, I, I'll be amazed if any of you talk about the sermon one hour after I preach it. And you don't know what you heard the last two weeks. Because we're not chewing on the word. We're chewing on the preacher. We're saying what we like and don't like. Do you know what was said? That's the test. Well, I know what was said. You won't be changed by sermons. You'll be changed by God's voice. God talking to you. All right. We haven't got to the sermon, so don't get too quiet. You, you have, any, have no right to be that convicted. Let's keep going. He says, I need to teach my people how to pray. He picks up that verse 5. He said, I don't want you praying like the rabbis. And, and people that are saying, Jesus, 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 Jesus. And just, 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 just. Vain repetition. Vain repetition. Praying the prayer wheel like in Tibet. Going through the rosary. Repetition. Repetition. You know, the Bible never tells you how long you should pray. It never tells you how loud you should pray. It didn't tell you how emotionally. He said, pray. And what God's more interested in your prayer life is not the emotion or the length, but the categories you pray about. What do you pray about? And he said, let me teach you what to pray about. First thing you ought to be concerned when you pray is that I get to talk to my father. And I want to hallow him. I want to treat him as holy and say, you know what, Lord, I showed up because I want your kingdom first. I want your priorities first. I've come to talk about you first. Some people don't pray unless they do this. It's gotten so bad we started praying. It got that bad. What about it got so good I had to pray? I'm talking to a father. I'm going to my father. Uh, you know, I told the men yesterday, uh, the Lord told me to uh, ask my wife how I'd be a better husband, and I was a little shocked that she had some suggestions. <laughs> I thought she would just say, honey, you're the world's best. No, since you brought it up, let me tell you. And she's been sharing with me a little thing that she read in an article that said every marriage needs seven good hugs a day. Seven hugs a day. Think of that in your prayer life. Do you hug God seven times a day? Do you just tell him you love him? That, that he's there. Well, Jesus said, I've got to teach people to pray. You don't, you don't know how to pray when you get saved. You don't know how to pray. Uh, how many of you prayed today? Uh, give me daily bread. Now, that daily bread then... Uh, was a, they, see, we've got Costco and second refrigerators. They depended every day on getting enough to get by. There was no meat in their diet. It was all grain. So they made what you would think of as a, uh, uh, like a tortilla, or maybe think of pizza dough, because they didn't have access to meat as a whole. Grapes, they'd get that, figs, and grain. And uh, talking about... Uh, praying for daily bread. Have any of you ever had to pay, pray for daily bread? Let me read something to you. Uh, I was looking up something 
uh, and my sister, she wrote a book. And uh, I looked up something. And uh, anybody alive in um, 1936? Okay. Um, well, she's writing 1936. My folks came from Kansas to Visaya, California. And this is what Hazel writes. It's 1936. It was during this time mom and daddy were chopping cotton for 75 cents a day. Not an hour. A day. And by the time David came, they put him on the cotton sack and pulled him in the field because they couldn't afford babysitters. How many of you ever made 75 cents a day? Okay. So, my folks were considered white trash that invaded California. That Strombach said, they're the grapes of wrath people. They had a sign that Ken Burns said over the theaters that they use a racial slur for black people. And they said, these black people and the racial slur and Oki said here. That's what California, good old liberal California thought about my people. We don't want you. We don't want you if you're from Alabama, Arkansas, Oklahoma, Tennessee, Virginia. Stay out of our state. You're white trash. You're grapes of wrath people. You don't bring anything but hunger. We don't want you. So they put the L.A. police down in Needles, California, and started charging them when they came over the border, and they had no cash. So she's writing of these people. She said, uh, I remember them saying how they would stop to rest for a minute, leaning on their hose, and looking up at the snow-capped mountains of the Sierras, and drinking in the beauty of their new home. Granny Pryor, David knows her, would see to Paul and me, and this continued for the summer. Get this now, get this. During that summer, Mama took a few cents of their pay and bought a new serving bowl from the five and ten store for a kitchen. She was so proud of that bowl I can remember how happy I was because Mama had got herself a new bowl. Remember, she'd been forced to dispose of practically all of her things when they made the move. She only had one drum full of personal effects left in El Dorado, Kansas, to be shipped when they could afford it. So this was Mama's red-letter day. She got a new bowl from the five and ten. Do you think those kind of people could pray for daily bread? Have any of you uh, nearly starved? He tells this story. Around nine years old, my dad was working in Washington. He'd go to Washington, Paducah. When the iron workers got rained out on the West Coast, he'd go to other states to work. There was uh, five of us at home. David was nine years old. My mother got a hold of him. David... You're kneeling with me in the front room. We have no food in this house. I'm not going to feed you unless God provides. Let's get on our knees. They prayed. Talk to David after the service. Before they got up, the door knocked. The food was there. It fed our family for another week. Learn to pray daily for food. And don't become arrogant because you got three refrigerators and you got a Costco card. 
Remember where you came from, Israel. For when you get vineyards you didn't plant and wells you didn't dig, you're going to forget me. We're battling against people who are prosperous in America who at the same time are forgetting God because poverty has a way of getting your attention. It did for thousands. Well, he wants to teach us to pray. Most of us don't know how, so you've got to attend the Jesus Seminar. And he teaches us how to pray. Then he teaches us something else. It's a lost art. He taught us people how to fast. And I, I seldom meet a Christian that fasts anymore. I grew up with people that fasted and prayed. And, and Jesus said, you should do this fasting, not while I'm with you, but when I go back to heaven, I want you to fast and pray. When's the last time you lost a meal because you were pursuing God? Are you having weight problems? Um, then he goes into something after fasting. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Now this is right in the middle of his sermon. And this sure enough, see I got the red letter at this in this morning. This is Jesus talking. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. There's a great principle. Money, heart, they hang out together. Money, heart. If I see where you spend your money, I can tell you what you love or what's on your mind the most. Money, heart. Now, Jesus said, wherever you put your treasure, your heart will follow. Okay. But it's heart, treasure. We spend our money. We spend our time. We spend our energy on the things that have captured our heart. Dear brother in this church, gave us tickets to a warrior game. More of you should do this. But... <laughs> Uh, anyway, this brother gave it, and we went there, and we were kind of in kind of a nosebleed section, but it, we were up there. And uh, while we were there, we noticed three Latino men came in, and one looked a little bit older, come to find out it was the dad who had driven out from New Jersey to be with his son that lived in Sacramento, and he brought his other son because the boy in Sacramento was going to give dad a birthday gift, take him to a Warriors game. They're going to the game. Dino and I are sitting there. Pretty soon, Dino and I noticed, man, they keep standing. It was like in the hallway. We said, uh, we went and said, hey, hey, man, uh, when do you, uh, where's your seat? Where are you going to sit down? They said, oh, oh, we didn't get a seat. I said, wait, wait, wait. You mean you're just standing there? Uh, and I probed because I'm nosy. I said, how much did these tickets cost you? I said, $270. I said, to stand for the whole game? She said, yeah. Dino and I began to share our seat with him. I think I charged 20 bucks. So, <laughs> but, uh, you know, we started saying, man, these guys need to get off their feet a little bit. Here a guy comes all the way from New Jersey. You know, treasures, you put your money. That boy wanted his dad at that game so bad because he treasured the Warriors, their winning streak. And said so he, he obviously thought nothing of forking out $270 to tell his 55-year-old dad you get to stand for three hours and watch the world champions. See, if you love it, you can justify the money for it. You find that? You're on a budget till you find something you want. 
Oh, got quiet. Uh, so where, this is the eye. Why does he go to the optometry department? He's talking about treasure. Now it says the eye is the lamp of the body. Okay. I mean, all light to the body comes through the eye gate. Okay. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. Right. If I'm nearsighted, if I got cataracts, you know, if anything messes. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If, it, if in the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Is he talking about your eyes? No, no, the eyes is a Hebrew idiom for perspective, outlook. If your outlook is unhealthy, you won't see things right. Uh, outlook, prejudice, racism, uh, class, uh, play, the way we view people, the way we view, uh, some are negative, others are positive. Some are racist, and if you got the wrong pigmentation, and there is no wrong pigmentation, but in their worldview, there is. I can't stand. Oh, your eyes are unhealthy. You can't see right. Now, Jesus just talked about money. Now he's talking about your outlook. Now watch what he says. He didn't just start talking optometry off the cuff because Jesus is wondering. He said, how do you view things? Now watch what he says. No one can serve two masters. Hmm, this sounds like a contest. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Wow, lighten up, Jesus. Give us a few more alternatives. No, he said, it's one of two worlds I'm talking to you about. These are religious Jews listening out on the mount. The way you view things, either God is first or money is. They can't both be first. Who's first in your world? Who's first? Now he said, let me give you a cure to the human disease called worry. And he's going to give you seven reasons why you should not worry. Are you interested? We save you a lot of money now. No more value. No more pills. This will cure you. I know. This will cure you more than a pill. Because when you wake up and the pill has lost its effect, you'll still be worried. I want us to see seven reasons why he doesn't want us to worry. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? And this is Truth For Today radio ministry of Valley Bible Church here in Hercules, and our teacher and pastor, Pastor Phil Howard. Thank you for spending time with us today. As always, it is a pleasure and a delight studying God's Word with you that we might mutually grow in our love and admiration for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If you have questions about today's program, maybe you have a question about your own walk or relationship with the Lord, we would love to talk with you. No strings attached. Give us a call, and we'd be more than happy to answer any questions we can or pray with you. Our phone number is 855-833-9864. Again, you can reach us at 855-833-9864. 
If you would rather write to us, here's our address, 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278. We're here in Hercules, the zip code 94547. And again, even if it's a simple thank you for the broadcast, we'd love to hear from you. It's always a delight knowing that these programs are being used by the Lord for your growth in Christ. So again, you can reach us by phone, by mail, or better yet, stop by our website and drop us an email. Let us know you paid us a visit. You can find us at truthfortodayradio.org. That's truth for todayradio.org. As you stop by, don't forget to drop us an email and take advantage of the many resource materials we have available for your growth in Christ. Again, it's all there at truthfortodayradio.org. And then if you would like to join us here at Valley Bible Church for worship, Sunday services are at 9 and 11, and directions can be found at our website, truthfortodayradio.org, or by calling 855-833-9864. As you contact us, would you also prayerfully consider partnering with us financially? We're able to continue the radio ministry through your generous financial support. And whether it's a one-time gift or a monthly donation, no size is too small or too great. We'd love to hear from you and know that you are partnering with us for the furtherance of the gospel. So contact us today at 855-833-9864 or stop by truthfortodayradio.org. And then come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard.